Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insight. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we're recording on a Wednesday. There's been a lot of, right, it's still Wednesday. There was a lot of news last night, but you're going to hear this on Thursday. We don't have any fresh, fresh Flynn facts yet. Fresh Flynn facts? (laughs) Say that five times fast? Yeah, we might next week. Although next week I'll be traveling, we'll probably have an interview. But obviously there's plenty of fantastic polling, very on brand with what Kristen is focused on right now. Oh yeah, we've we've hit the jackpot it's, this week. It's almost like all the like the polls out there are like trying to get on the pollsters by thinking about what are the topics that they're going to cover. Well, you know what the topics are that we're going to cover this week. <laughs> is this poll a Christmas movie? We're going to discuss <laughs> uh, various holiday themed polling, and it's methodologically sound. So we're talking about it top yeah. of the show instead of relegating it to the back of the show. That's right. Uh, we got to little- keep literally the. The poop. That's that's where the poop will go. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. At the end. Ann Selzer is back. And we're going to talk a little bit about her latest findings and where the two political parties are headed. Uh, Today, Wednesday, when we're recording, is the funeral of George H.W. Bush, a member of the greatest generation. We'll talk about what do people think presidents think about America and is it the greatest country? Uh, I've got some fresh data that is dropping on Thursday, so we can talk about it today from behind the embargo window, um, about millennial parents and what they want out of their kids' schools. We've got a little polling on marriage and the art of compromise. And finally, is it acceptable to put your dog's poop in someone else's trash can? This was a pretty... We will discuss. It was a pretty popular thing on our Facebook page. It was not quite as high as Man Sneaks Into Lunt's focus group or... Is Trump an authoritarian? Like those things. I mean, I can't remember. What this th- debate got but, some of my like high, high school and college friends engaged, yeah. and like on different sides of the issue. Yeah. I have a fairly strong point of view, but I'm going to save that for the end okay. of the show. Yeah. But it was um, people were like, clearly, were like, yeah. I don't talk believe about we this. got a Phyllis Schlafly mention <laughs> in the comments on that one yet. I know. I Not, can't yet. Feed the troll. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, okay, let's talk about Christmas movies. So, morning consult believes they have the definitive answer on whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I regret to inform the vast majority of America that they are wrong. <laughs> of poll takers. I you're just reading the no. data. You're not telling voters nope, that they're I'm in, wrong. I'm, I got opinions opinion. on dog poop. I got opinions on Die Hard. You've successfully not trolled Kristen back out there, pollsters. <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, and Hollywood Reporter, I think, has covered this as well. Um, of poll takers, only 25% agreed that the 1988 action classic, uh, in which Bruce Willis's John McClane spends Christmas Eve violently battling terrorists in a Los Angeles skyscraper belongs as a Christmas movie. 62% say no. I think it is. The argument against it 
is that it came out in July. It did not actually come out in the Christmas Mm. season. And Christmas is not in the name. But there are critical moments where, like, it is set in Christmas. It is obviously set during Christmas because it is the company Christmas party that, like, catalyzes the action. One of the taglines is he's like, ho, 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 is like. like, Right, right, right. Okay. And I think at one point he uses either, like, gift wrapping tape or like gift labels like stickers somehow that's involved in the action of this I did not realize it was 1988 well what's interesting is that they did an age break here they did a chart looking at age and also gender men are more likely to think that it's a Christmas movie than women which is kind of entertaining and people in 30 30 to 54 range that group is most likely to think that it's a Christmas because we're the best age group (laughs) is it because that's the like those are the folks who really saw it and at a formative age in their life well I I think I had never thought seniors are like no hell no it's not a Christmas movie well I had never thought of it I think you have to have seen it recently to think of it as a Christmas movie because otherwise you just think oh it's the one where Bruce Willis is fighting in the skyscraper against Alan Rickman playing one of the greatest movie villains of the 80s, if not all time. Right. Like, so there's lots of other things going on in it that do not require the presence of Christmas. So it's easy if you haven't watched the movie in 20 years to be like, Christmas movie. Huh. But if you've watched it recently since the like hipster debate around this began, which is highly concentrated again in this 30 to 44 year old age bracket. Then it, I think, sparks a revisiting of the film where you then go, ah, yes, this is obviously a Christmas movie. Right. Well, and then they also rate some other Christmas movies. And I know this is your jam. I don't think any of your, your, are any of your Christmas movies here, those ones you're watching with no. Mary Catherine? Okay. <laughs> They've the not been playing. Pl- plug like, for a, a, like a separate pod. Christmas princess or whatever they are. <laughs> like, it's called The Princess Switch. Okay, I'm sorry. And that episode is not dropped yet. <laughs> None of those films are on here. But that's partially because there are 18 million of them that are being produced by the Hallmark Industrial <laughs> Complex for this holiday season. So the, the most beloved holly, uh, holiday movie is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, 83% favorable, followed by Charlie Brown Christmas, 81% favorable, Frosty the Snowman, and the Grinch are tied at 80. Uh, Home Alone, 78. That's a good one. I liked Home Alone. Uh, As like a Christmas. How come Love Actually is not here? Would you like to take up the mantle no. of champion for Love Actually? Because <laughs> no, I've already taken a stand on Die Hard. We're going to talk. About, we're going to talk about marriage later. This is one of like our marital disputes. Is on <laughs> so we're Love. Are you actually. pro or anti? I'm pro, even though it's a, it's kind of bumps up against my feminist values in a variety of ways. And my husband calls it crap. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm on. I'm on your team on this one. Yes. Um, um, so folks, should take a look at that. That's. Good and timely. There's also some Hanukkah polling that there's been some folks who pulled it together, which we'll link to some helpful tweets and sites there. What's interesting is that only 10% of Jews in America think that Hanukkah, this is an old poll, but this is probably still true because the, you know, whether how you feel about the holidays is not going to be particularly volatile, but not many American Jews feel that Hanukkah is the most important holiday to them personally. Jews are more likely to identify Yom Kippur or Passover because those are actually bigger, more important holidays. It's that 
Hanukkah is the time of Christmas. Um, but if folks who call themselves just Jewish, so they think of themselves as more culturally Jewish rather than religious, those folks are twice as likely to say that Hanukkah is the most important holiday to them because they're celebrated at the time when other people are celebrating Christmas. It has a different role in the calendar, even if it doesn't have the same role as Yom Kippur and Passover in you know, the spiritual faith. So anyway, uh, folks should take a look at the Hanukkah polling. That's pretty interesting. And and I feel like for but yeah. for Christians, the it would be kind of similar. Like I think yes. you would expect to see Christmas be top of the list, whereas I would I would think among like the more church going folks, like Easter, Easter would be the top of the list. Right. So I I I wonder if a similar dynamic hmm. would exist if you did this poll. Oh, that's interesting. Of them. Um one last thing on Christmas movies. Sorry, I just realized that the best Christmas movie is not included on this list, which is a Muppet Family Christmas. <laughs> the most ambitious crossover event of all time. It features the Sesame Street characters and Fraggle Rock showing up at an Airbnb situation gone awry where Fozzie's mom has thought she's going off to California for the holidays. What decade is this movie Fozzie from? Fozzie shows the up. This one? came out the same year as, as Die Hard, I believe. Um, I was more the target audience for it at the time than Die Hard. I have right. caught up to Die yes, Hard. Yes, okay. Um, it is extraordinary. Highly recommend. Super underrated in the canon, uh, in the pantheon of Muppet Christmas movies. It is the best. Okay. Don't at me. I am no, no, no. I, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the Muppet movies. I was like an original Muppet Show fan as a kid, where you kind of learn about all the actors and actresses that your parents like, like ah, you know, Crystal Gale or whatever, whoever like was big at that time, like singing with all the, you know, singing with everybody. Anyway, that's my kind of Muppet anchor. All right. So lots of Christmas. Lots of Christmas movies to choose from. Uh, so now that we've entered the holiday season, not a lot of change happening in the president's job approval. No. He has not experienced a post-election drop. Tariff um, man. Ta- it, <laughs> I really, I wanted to make an Elton John joke, and then I saw that on Twitter, like 16 people already had, and I was like, oh, okay, I got beat. I got beat to the Rocket Man joke. That's okay. <laughs> no, the, the one I liked was... You know, I shot the tariff, but I did not shoot the subsidy. <laughs> that was a good one. Do Do you know who who's that was? No. I'm like giving Ariel Edwards Levy credit no, for it in my mind. No, <laughs> no, it was it was a dude. It was a dude. I don't know who that. Well, kudos to you, dude. Sir. Yes. Um. So Ann Selzer has done some polling with Bloomberg on, uh. President Trump, the various parties, and we've got the crosstabs broken down rural, urban, She suburban. was a long ago, one of our early guests on the show many years ago. Oh, yes. She is. Whenever people ask me, I did an interview recently. It has not come out yet, but there, like, there was a story being done on like women in political professions, including polling. And like, did I think that, you know, like women were a rarity in polling? And I was like, Absolutely not. And not like Republican this is a or story Democratic. story that hasn't come out yet? Yes. Okay, yes, I know. Okay. Oh, we'll okay. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I, you know, actually. It's like every conversation I have with a woman these days are like, I was talking to someone about this story about women consultants. I'm like, oh, yes, I know exactly what story that is. Anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> when it comes it's out, It's a guys. well-sourced story. <laughs> We've all been called. Um, but yeah, like you've got Ann Selzer and you, you know, there are lots of, there are lots of women in this field. 
Right. I just want to say. Lots yes. of women. Um, okay. So if a vote for president of the United States were held today, would you definitely vote to reelect President Trump or would you consider someone else? Uh, would you definitely vote to elect someone else or would you not vote? This is a scary number if you are yeah. the Trump reelect. In rural America, rural America, which is not even towns. Like towns is considered like smaller than suburbs. And I don't know if this is self-report, urbanicity, or based on something else like their zip code. I'm not sure the answer to that question. 46% but say they would definitely vote to re-elect regardless, Trump I mean, in rural areas. Yeah, you would not say you live in a rural area if you, you know, live in a suburb usually. So um, the over-reporting, I think, goes to in the more urban direction rather than the rural direction. Anyway, regardless, he's not running up the score in rural America. And town, suburb, city are all more similar than different. Yes, yeah, suburb and city, 27 and 24. I mean, that's right. That's what we saw in the midterms. That yep. The suburbs voted like the cities they surround more than the rural areas outside of them. Right. And that was bad for Republicans. And if Trump can't run up the numbers like bonkers in the rural areas, which this poll suggests he is not at the moment, like that's that's a problem. Now, when you ask about favorability toward the parties, um, people who say they view the Republican Party favorably big time in rural areas, 58 percent, while only 31 percent view the Democratic Party favorably. But Republicans trail Democrats in towns, suburbs and cities. And when you get to suburbs and cities, again, it's like in the suburbs, it's trailing them by 11 points. Right. It's big. Yeah. Um, so this is this is a serious, serious problem. I wrote about it a little before, but this is just like another data point to throw on the pile of like the suburbs were the big problem. Right. Right. And so, you know, what does that mean? In statewide races for the Senate battleground in 2020, what does it mean for the presidential? It's, you know, what does it mean for the future longevity of the party? That's a lot of challenges for sure. And again, the other challenge is for the parties. Okay, so Democrats are doing well in the suburbs now. Does their base want them to move to the left, which would make it harder for them to win the suburbs? Or do Republicans' base want them to move more to the right? Would that help in rural areas but make things even worse in the suburbs? We There's now have poll polling. That, There's right? a poll for that. So, Margie, what did you make of the Democrats' so results? This was Ariel Edwards-Levy, in fact. <laughs> so, um, There's no pun. How can no I know? Pun. How can I know? I know. There are actually numbers here and stuff. Um, yes. So they did a poll. This was Huffington Post. Um, that said, and they asked Democrats and then Republicans the same question. Over the next few years, would you like to see the Democratic Party and its candidates become more liberal, stay about the same, or become less liberal? That's how they asked it among Democrats, among Republicans, become more conservative, stay about the same, or become less conservative. And if you look at, you know, Democrats are more divided here in that looking at these three answer categories, they're more evenly divided among the three. Among all Democrats and self-identified Democrats and leaners, 35 percent say become more liberal. Thirty three percent say stay about the same. Seventeen percent become less liberal. And then among Republicans, though, a majority say become more conservative. There's a little bit more of a clear answer. Not that it's overwhelming, really, for either, but there's more of a clear answer but, here. But there are big divisions within the party over this question. So you have for all Republicans and Republican leaners, 52 percent say the party should become more conservative. 
For women, it's 47%. For men, it's 57%. So women, 10 points less likely to say become more conservative. Big age break, only 37% of Republicans under the age of 45 say become more conservative. Uh, If you're over 45, that's up to 60%. So 23 points more if you're older. Hmm. Welcome to my perpetual. Well, <laughs> welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. The infinite loop that is. <laughs> um, well, and and I think one thing that's important to point out is okay, conservative and liberal. These words can mean a lot of different things. Does somebody mean more conservative on fiscal issues? Are they thinking social issues? Are they thinking temperament? More conservative, like you know, small c conservative in temperament versus being you know, more bold and out there. I don't think that's what people mean. But then also, you know, the use of liberal instead of progressive on the Democratic question. These things all all can play a role. So but what's interesting to me, if you look at these breakouts, I mean, of course, so they have a lot of different demographic groups broken out, which is helpful. And of course, if you're moderate, you're a moderate Democrat, you're more likely to say you want the party to stay the same or become less liberal than, say, become more liberal. And if you're liberal, you want the party to become more liberal, right? The same is true on the Republican side, um, where the ideological definitions are the biggest differentiators of where what direction you want the party to go. But it looks like there are more wider demographic breaks on the Republican side, despite yeah. you know there being a majority kind of deciding on the Republican side to be more conservative. On the Democratic side, there's not as big of a gap between men and women. You know, 33% of men feel the Democratic Party should become more liberal compared to 36% of Democratic women. That's not a very big difference. 33% of Older Democrats versus 37 percent of younger Democrats. I mean, even whites and non-whites, not very big difference here. So it's, I think, interesting. If you look at the overall number, you see, oh, Democrats are more divided, but they are kind of united in that sort of, you know, in how divided they are on this. They're very similar across these demographic groups, unlike the Republican side. So then uh, there's one other question. How do you feel about the future of your party in general? Democrats, 45 percent of them say they feel enthusiastic uh, about the future of their party. Uh, 33 percent satisfied, but not enthusiastic. Republicans, it's it's flipped. Um, 34 percent enthusiastic, 44 percent satisfied, but not enthusiastic. This doesn't surprise me totally because we have talked forever on this show about data that Republicans like hate their own party leadership all the time. And like that's a perpetual Republicans hating their own party is like a just a thing that has been around since the Tea Party, if not before. But yeah, I I thought this was this was very interesting that in the wake of the midterms, you still have most Republicans feeling pretty good about the party when you control the White House at tends to be, you know, a good thing, I guess, but that the Democrats are really feeling like much better about their party these yeah. days. Enthusiastic. Well, I mean, it's not a surprise that these are the results right after the election where Democrats feel like there's been some correction or just, you know, some re- a reaction, a progressive reaction to Trump in some way and to where Republicans have been taking the country. So it's not a surprise to have Democrats feel this way. Um, I, you know, we don't have anything to compare this to. I don't know if there was something after previous waves. I'm assuming you would not find this after 2010 or 2014 where Democrats didn't have a very good year. I'm assuming you did not have these same results. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting that Republicans are still feeling like, yeah, things are pretty good, at least even though things in the House did not go well at right. all. We're at, what are we at, 40 seats now yeah. and like still potentially I mean, one I think more with still, this North Carolina still, yeah, situation? I, yeah. 
what a disaster that is. Um, so let's let's move on and talk a little bit about the U.S. as world leader, greatest nation in the world. Some interesting polling out of Gallup. They have asked uh, what percentage of Americans think that the U.S. has a special responsibility to be the leading nation in world affairs. I am fascinated by this because, one, I had always sort of viewed this as like you've got Republicans that are, you know, this is kind of the like Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, woo-woo, America, let's be a world leader point of view. Democrats are actually in the last eight years the most likely now to, A, say that the U.S. has a special responsibility to lead. And this huge jump, like now that Trump is in office, now suddenly there's a sense that like, oh, this is what it looks like when America's not leading in the way we want it to. We're backing away from international agreements, et cetera. America should be leading. What's going on? Um, In 2010, 66 percent of Americans said, yes, the U.S. has a special responsibility to lead. That has jumped to 75 percent. The most of that movement has come from this huge jump among Democrats. Right. right. And older voters, which is different than, you know, kind of the age break by party that Mm -hmm. you would see. There's been a bigger jump among older folks, a bigger jump among Democrats and liberals. So that jump in Democrats has come really disproportionately from older Democrats, not from younger Democrats, which I think is interesting. And then you could look at the sort of glass half full. And if you just looked at the 2018 column and you didn't look at change, you could say, hey, this is something where actually all these different audiences kind of agree. Conservatives and liberals are exactly equally likely to say yes to this question at 78 percent. So, hey, a thing we're all unified around ish. For the most part. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess it's like a yes, no question. So I don't know yeah. if there was a way you could have tweaked around with it and gotten a little bit more partisan results. But this is still, I think we can look at it as like a good a good outcome that people have some agreement on it. They also asked in this poll, because of the U.S. history and its constitution, do you think the U.S. has a unique character that makes it the greatest country in the world or don't you think so? Uh, among all adults, it was 80 percent in 2010 who said that. Still 78 percent now, um, you know, regardless of the talk about, oh, has the presidential election, has it changed what people think about America? It has not changed what Americans think fundamentally about America's character in the world. Um, but there has been a big drop among young people, uh, 18 to 34 year olds. Back in 2010, there was no age gap on this question. Now, only 62 percent of young adults think that America is the deserves this greatest country label, which is significantly lower than those over the age of 35. Yep. Yep. And then one last question. So this is from the same study by Gallup. Um, and they asked in 2010 and again in 2018, uh, what percent think that each of the following presidents believe the U.S. has a character that makes it the greatest generation? Do you feel that these presidents felt that way, agreed with that position? And was there a drop between 2010 and 2018, which is pretty interesting? So um, the person who or the president who rates the highest and largest number think that that he felt the country was the greatest in the world is Ronald Reagan. Eighty six percent felt that way in 2010, 85 percent 2018. No change. George W. Bush, 74, and then 78. So that's moved up a little bit. I think that's consistent with kind of the overall change in public opinion toward him. Um, Bill Clinton's gone down from 77% in 2010 to 69% now. Trump was not asked in 2010, now at 68%. And Obama was at 58% in 2010, now has gone up to 64%. George H.W. Bush is not on this list. I'm not sure why he is not. I wonder. I wonder. That's very interesting. Well, we have some fresh data 
We are talking about it today as we record because the show is not coming out until Thursday, and that is when the poll drops. Um, I just conducted a poll of millennial parents for the Walton Family Foundation. And when we come back after the break, we will talk about it. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Okay, we're back. So this new poll I did, I did a bunch of uh, focus groups with millennial parents in various cities across the country. One of them was Richmond, Virginia, where we actually got a camera crew to come to tape these groups all fancy like. Mm -hmm. If you have ever seen focus group facility footage, it looks like a combination of like hostage film (laughs) and like a security camera in most cases. Yes, This was, we did it up. It is really nice. And um, so if, if you've ever wanted to watch me do like Frank Lund style, right, with like the camera lights around or like Oprah style for 60 yep. minutes. Yep. Yep. We did that. So the the basic premise of the report was, so there are all these ways in which the millennial generation is like supposedly different from other generations. Does that also mean that they expect different things out of their schools? Like if this was the first generation that really got, you know, standardized, tested, a lot when they were growing up, you know, now that they've got little kids or in some cases, I mean, in our focus groups, we had millennials who had kids that were in high school. I mean, millennial parents can have kids of all ages. Um, What are they looking for out of the schools? Uh, So one of the questions we asked was, you know, what do you think the purpose of an education should be? And we did this in the focus groups and we also did this uh, in the survey. And we gave in the focus groups, we gave people cards, like mm-hmm. order the cards. Which yep. one, like which order do you think these should go in? And the options were to prepare students for further learning, like college or trade school, um, to prepare students for the workforce so they can succeed in a career or make a living, to prepare students with the life and social skills to be ready for the challenges of adulthood or to prepare students to be educated and engaged citizens who participate in civic life. Mm. Of those four, there wasn't like one that was way out ahead of the rest. Mm-hmm. The top response was to prepare a child for future learning like college or trade school at mm-hmm. 38%. Mm-hmm. Um, but preparation for workforce, like that being the number one priority, 30% said that. Um, the life skills one was at 21%. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Um, the civic engagement one was a little lower, only at 9%, but slightly mm. higher for, I believe, uh, African-American parents. But yeah, really, really, really interesting findings. Uh, please take a look at the report. You can find it at echeloninsights.com. You can find the videos on our YouTube channel. The only other thing I will say is we asked in the survey, there were 17 different skills we wanted to test. Like how important are each of these skills? And then who should be responsible for teaching a child to have these skills, the parent or the school? And we did it on like a sliding scale. So, you know, all the way to the one side, zero means the school has no responsibility. It should all be up to the parent. Ten means like the parent should have no responsibility. It should all be up to the schools. We found that for all 17 skills we tested, the answer was above a five on average, even things like change a tire. I know. Be able to build good personal relationships. Change a tire. Um, I love that. All of these things people think, 
Yeah, I should be involved. But so this fascinated me, right? How many millennials actually balance a checkbook? Right. Like, let's be real, guys. Online banking exists and an awful lot of you use it. And yet in focus groups, this has always been a thing when you do education focus groups. People will like wring their hands and be like, they don't teach kids how to balance a checkbook these days. But I thought of a group of millennial parents like that would not be a thing. And it totally came up. And so I was like, we have to put it on the survey. I have to know. Now, balancing a checkbook was not one of the most important things on this, the ranking of the 17 skills. It was, uh, let's see, I think that is 14th. Yeah. So it was it was pretty low. But it was still higher than be able to understand a lease document, huh. which is like a significantly, I would assume, significantly more useful skill, but I don't know. Apparently not. I'm, I'm apparently out of step with millennial parents. But it it was interesting, you know, the the skills that are academic, parents really wanted schools to handle that. Like, don't make me teach my kid math. You guys, right, <laughs> please, right, please right, teach right. my kid math. Right, right. Um, and then stuff that was more, you know, financial, help my child be able to get a job, earn a comfortable living. On that scale of zero to 10, those answers tended to be in like the high 6.7, 6.8, 6.9 range. But like the social and personal skills was still in like the 6.6 range. I mean, there's they believe when it comes to helping their child have the skill to feel confident in themselves that the responsibility is shared, but it's almost more on the school than them as a parent. Well, when you think about it's very easy for people to be a focus group, no matter the topic. And invariably, someone will say, well, it's the parents' fault that blank or parents should be teaching their kids blank. It doesn't even matter if you're talking about kids or schools or education at all, because that's such a common refrain is that people are not teaching their kids today to do whatever. Um, but when you think about how much time your children spend in school, all the different interactions, you can't go with them. Like when I drop my daughter off, I can't go in the school. So you really are... They are in the school. They are, the, you know, part of the school community. So it makes sense that these things really do have to be shared in some way since yeah. the kid is, your kids are spending that much time and in And I, I think the big theme coming out of this then is that if millennial parents, if it's a two-parent household, both parents are working a lot, it's just one-parent household, they need the school to be doing an awful lot. That's just like culturally and economically right. where we're at in yep. America. These schools are being expected to do more and more while at the same time, like, are they being assessed on how good they're doing at all of right. those things? Or right. are they just being assessed on, like, a, is a school good because it does one or two things very narrowly very well? Um, and so, you know, can we begin thinking about accountability in schools as this broader concept mm-hmm. that, like, thinks, okay, are kids in this school developing self-confidence? Right. And, you know, that sort of thing. Right. To your point, by the way, about, you know, people blaming the parents. So we asked a question. Sometimes a school consistently fails to ensure children can read, write, or do math on grade level. Who do you think should be primarily accountable for making sure a struggling school improves? And we gave a whole bunch of different responses. And there was a big difference between higher and lower income respondents. Mm -hmm. Higher income respondents are like, well, the parents of the students in that school should be responsible. But for lower income parents, I mean, they first and foremost are looking to the district. Yep. Um, they're looking to the teachers in the school to a certain extent, but like the state how plays funded the state. The state and the how boundaries district are drawn, play a much yep. bigger role for lower income parents. Yep. While higher income parents are like, it should be more about the parents should be the one right. fixing this. So it was just totally different. And I believe throughout it. the survey, huge differences in responses from lower and higher income parents, parents with and without college degrees. And so we've we've mapped all of that out in the report. Find it That's at echeloninsights.com. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds very cool. I'll definitely check that out. Okay. So we have just one funny thing before we get to the real funny thing. And this is, I don't know if there's a name for this 
phenomenon. There must be. Someone's going to, I'm sure, tweet us. Because you see this phenomenon in calling about schools all the time. Right. And about anything, which is, I like my thing. I'm assuming your thing is garbage, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that thing could be literally anything. You're a member of Congress, your school, your anything, or even your marriage, which I had not seen this before. So this is from Brookings, and somebody tweeted it out. They asked about your own marriage and said, do you think your own marriage is stronger or about the same or weaker than the last two years? And then they asked people about marriages generally. Do you think they're stronger or about the same or weaker? When people asked about their own marriage, People were even almost evenly divided between saying stronger or about the same. Very few people said weaker. Fewer than 10% said weaker. And then among marriages generally, fewer than 10% said stronger, that marriages generally were stronger. They were evenly divided between about the same and weaker. So there are a lot of people who feel that their marriage is getting stronger, but that other people's marriages are probably the same or weaker, which is, you know, again, it's like my member of Congress is bad. Is good, but I think all of Congress is terrible. In the past few cycles, people have thought they're a member of Congress, but not the new Congress. They probably think they're all still great because they haven't come and done anything yet. Um, that happens a lot. I've seen that reported just a billion times. Same thing with schools, right? I mean, maybe it's true for all these questions. Part of it is like they're yours. You're you have some responsibility, quote unquote, broadly defined yeah. in your marriage or member of Congress or school. And so, if you say it's not good, are you admitting that you? made a wrong choice or living in a community that doesn't have a good member of Congress or or school. So there's some pressure to say, no, this is good because I'm I'm here, aren't I? Um, or maybe the causality goes the other way. I don't know. But that that phenomenon it happens all the time. Uh, so I I'm not here to brag, but I feel like my marriage is pretty strong because we survive <laughs> the biggest annual test of our marriage. <sighs> happens every year. Which is what? Does the Christmas tree stand up straight? <laughs> that is the thing. That is the thing. Like, I'm in charge of holding it while Jules, is that what you're talking about? Screwing the bottom? Yes. And, and he's like, is it straight? I'm like, yes. And then he's like, that's not straight. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> and it's the, you, which you, because the problem is you really need like three, you need multiple sets of eyes because this is a three-dimensional right. problem. And so if one person is managing the tree and the stand, even if you have one person standing off to the side going, it looks straight, you may have it straight along one axis, but you are missing the other. And so inevitably it's like, oh, it looks straight. And then you move like, you know, 90 (laughs) degrees around a circle around the tree. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's leaning over. And I mean, I think it might be a leaning like a little bit. Right. Not enough to where this is. Yes. This is now like I'm in my like when my my sixth year of marriage where I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> the tree can lean five degrees. It's not going to fall over. It's fine. It's fine. That's I love funny. this. I love I, you, honey. When the I tree put, looks great. When I put that, well, I am so agnostic on trees, so I really don't care. I just want it all done as quickly as possible. <laughs> but um, but so like when it comes to that or like toothbrush or charger stealing or pen stealing, which I am clearly in the wrong all the time and, <laughs> and like giving directions, you know, when my husband's driving and I'm like following along on ways and that apparently doesn't go very well. And like the, No, I, I defend your right to help find the more efficient route. And so you're not in the wrong. So, but I, you know, but it, I'm not clear enough on what I'm saying anyway. So, uh, and so, but whenever my husband's like, you know, like, why did you take my chart? I'm always, I'm like, you should just write it in my Yelp review. Like, good luck. Good luck finding sympathy on a platform of like charger stealing and like occasionally gives not totally clear directions. I have to say, so you're going to need a lot of sympathy from the world on those. So I, I do have, I'm also feeling the addition of the dog to the household has been fascinating. So we took 
Wally, the yes. dog, out to a beer garden this weekend. Sure. I'm sure he's like the perfect beer garden dog. He was. And so I walked Isn't away. Is that to- one down by CNN? That pla- yep. I've never been Wonder there. Wonder Garden. It's great. There are kids and dogs everywhere. I don't like beer, though. They, they had like holiday cocktails. Okay. Tons of holiday cocktails. Right. And they have like a food truck that serves burgers. It's delicious. Um, so took Wally, went up to go procure beverages yes. while Chris hung out with Wally, came right. back. He's surrounded by ladies who are right. like, the dog is so cute. Yes. And I was like, oh, man, Chris. I'm super glad you didn't figure this one out like 10 years ago. You would have had so many more yes, options besides yes. just little old me. Yes, 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 <laughs> The dogs, yes. The, the, the game of having a dog. So, I know, it's true. Speaking of dogs. So we got to talk about this new world of dog etiquette that I have entered. Yeah. So this was in the Colorado. I don't know what made them, just like we had the poll last week where somebody <laughs> set their shirt on fire or something. And so they did a poll about, like, how do you know when your guests to stay too long? I don't know what was the reason behind deciding to do a poll for this paper about are you okay with people putting dog poop bags in your garbage can? And what was interesting about this is not just the, the question, which I guess is, a, is worthy of study because why not, but it's that they had, like, several questions about this and like a range of options like only it's only okay if your garbage can is outside and not in your house or not in your garage like who's going to walk into somebody's garage like that's incredibly rude and um and you know it's okay if it's garbage day but it's not okay if it's not garbage day like they had they really gave some thought to it which i found so i'm going to take this poll right now i haven't taken it yet um let's see because I have strong opinions on this now that I am in this world. So I will say on our Facebook page when we posted this, first my friend Nicole who lives in North Carolina posted that yes, she thinks it's fine if it's wrapped up appropriately because you're on a long walk. Holding on to it all the way getting back home right. seems silly and impractical. Just put it in a trash can. My friend Kelly who lives in Philadelphia took a very different view and I am team Kelly on this. Mm. And I think this may have – the difference here, this may be a urban versus suburban yes. divide. Yes. Is I, I wonder if trash pickup protocols are different in different places. So in DC, where I live, I take my trash out on Sunday night. You put it in, you put the bag trash in the blue can. Right. And you or the green can and you wheel them out to the, you know, the back of the alley. And the garbage truck comes through and the guys open the can with their hands. And they take they it. They grab the bags with their hands and they throw them in the the thing like the the can is not being lifted up off the ground and right. dumped into anything. Right. So then, whatever you have at the bottom will just sit there and fester. They're not going to reach in and grab it, and so then I would have to reach in there and, and grab then it. That's clearly and not that there. Is a train wreck disaster, and it's I've had to do it before, and it's horrible. <laughs> so I am very strongly against this because yes. the trash pickup protocols here mean you put that baggie of poop in my trash can. It's not getting taken away it i will have to deal with it and rebag it in a larger bag with other things if i want it gone but i believe in some suburban areas the can itself just gets picked up yes and and dumped dumped. and so loose trash whatever's in there yes also in a city like when i take wally out for a walk there's lots of garbage multiple public trash cans in in the the suburbs you don't and so then yep but you know for most people your garbage can is usually not or at least in a lot of suburban areas, it's not on the street. So if it's garbage day and you have a million garbage cans sitting on the street waiting for the garbage truck to come by, it is totally fine to then just pop it in, I think, at the top of the can when you know the garbage people are coming. 
That I th- and it's sitting right there. I think to like go to someone's house and like along the side of their wall to like find a place that seems not right. Yeah. Um, but I don't like like watching people like walk around the neighborhood and you know and you're like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, hey, I'm holding this dog poop I've been walking around with for 20 minutes. I mean, I guess that's just you know how it goes. Well, I, I my route, I will walk by multiple public yeah. trash cans, but I, I think that's an urban versus yeah. suburban thing. Okay, so I'm on question number three. Would you be okay with someone putting a used dog poop bag in your trash can? No, I am not because that it's happened and it's terrible. I'm gonna skip the open end. Skip. <laughs> I'm just right? Skip. Sorry. See what I mean about this survey? Would you confront someone who put dog poop bag in your trash? I've become more confrontational in my old age, so I'm <laughs> clicking yes. Would you confront someone for not picking up dog poop on your lawn? Yes, I've definitely done that. Yep, and uh, I don't have a lawn. I've definitely done that. I have a tree that. box. So this is the other thing I'm learning about doggy etiquette is there are many tree boxes in the city. And it's unclear to me who – I mean, I don't think anyone owns them. I think the city owns the city them. Owns them but, but like, who takes ownership of them? If you choose to have the community garden of the two-by-three – plot in front of your house, you are welcome to try to do that. Yep. Nobody's going to stand in your way. So some of them are really pretty and others are just like Gross. mulch and weeds. Yeah. And so I do try to be careful about like, Wally, this is just mulch and weeds. No one cares about this one. If you would like to leave a mark, yes, roll with it. And I always pick up the poop, but like you can't do anything about the pee. Right. Um, but if it's a tree box that looks like there has been any work put into it, or if it has the little sign that says no doggy poop. Right. I abide by those signs. This is a civilization yes, we're living in. I know. You've got to abide by some of those rules. I know. Have you ever put dog poop in someone else's trash can? No, never. Had dog a whole week and a half, so I can give the <laughs> super sanctimonious answer here. All right. I'm sure you all were thrilled by our like 10 minute segment. I walked, my dog, wa- we have like a walk pool, which is instead of a carpool, you take turns walking a bunch of kids to school and this like, Someone's grandmother was walking this girl to school, and she was talking to us, and they, they were walking a dog. So there's lots of people who, like, walk the dog with the kid to school, and everybody wins, right? And the dog and the dog pooped, and she was just like, oh, I'll come back later. And the kid's like, Grandma, don't we have to pick that up? And she's, Grandma's oh, no. like, nope. <laughs> I was like, now, do I— Yell at my new friends, you know. Ooh, <laughs> that's that's it. When it's not even on my street or should I just say like this is you know this is a I'm that's just gonna tough. let it go. Yeah, I'm sorry, oh, person on Park Road. This is <laughs> when you when we stop doing things like this. This is how society just falls apart. I don't know. I feel like we, we live have, in a civilization. I don't know. I feel, there are a lot of things I'm really worried about going on right now more than like the the other doggy etiquette thing that I'm still poop. getting a hang of is the dogs making friends on a walk question because so wally he you know he's had some bad run-ins with dogs in the past we can tell from the scars on his face he is a sweetheart he i don't i still don't know what his bark sounds like he's never barked i mean he is this like quiet angel of a dog but he's can get real excited and he's huge he's like a 80 pound golden retriever and so I don't know what playing dogs looks like. To me, it just looks like they're trying to kill each other, even though people who know dogs are like, no, 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 that's just them playing. I think you can say, look, we just got him two weeks ago. We're still, you know, figuring out saying that. his social but skills. But last night on his walk, a guy was like, yeah, but my dog's super friendly, so it's totally fine. 
And I did not think that this encounter looked very friendly. And so then I kind of tried to pull Wally back and then I lost my scarf in the road and I had to kind of go get it and not Mm. die. And then like, and it was just, and the guy kind of like walked away with his dog like, oh, that was a mistake. And I was like, well, I'm thinking, I told you I didn't want to have this dog encounter. And you pushed it on me by being like, no, my dog's friendly. I mean, you need to listen to what the dog is trying to tell you. But and maybe it sounded like maybe, Wally was telling you, like, this is, I'm well, not totally sure how I this is. I think he may have also go. been telling me, like, I want to make lots of friends and I'm just super aggressive about it, but I don't want Wally to, I don't think he was being aggressive about it. I think I just don't know how dogs play and I just need to learn that, like, he's just having fun. His tail is wagging. He's not trying to draw blood. Like, it's fine. But yeah, anyhow, that's true. Uh, so if you want a social feed that has almost no more politics in it, it is literally is it just the same? Are you pictures. Post, am I getting served the same? picture of Wally or is it a new picture nope, every new time? every day. <laughs> His face doesn't change. He's got that same... I'm like, I'm like, is this the same one from yesterday? It is not. It is not. Although he does like this one particular part of my living room so you can see like the rug and like his little gray blanket or like there's like a fuzzy throw. He likes all of those blankets so they tend to all be featured. Okay. Key findings. <laughs> Anticipating how this would go. Thanks to Kristen's influence, this show is now just Christmas movies and dogs. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, Democrats are divided but enthusiastic, question mark. And speaking of division, are we less likely to cooperate? Maybe people are cooperating more at home in their relationships or with their schools. And if you plan on cooperating with your neighbor, don't leave poop in their garbage. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Soltis Anderson and www.thepolsters.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye.